0: Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker
1: Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, March 9th. Coming up today.
2: President Biden targets the wealthy in his budget proposal unveiled today.
1: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is hospitalized and we have the latest.
2: Credit Suisse delays its annual
1: report. And Silvergate Capital plunges as it winds down operations.
3: A Manhattan jury deliberates the death penalty in a deadly 2017 truck attack. Plus, Russia unleashes massive missile attacks on Ukraine. I'm John Tucker. More ahead.
4: I'm John Stash, at Sports, at the Big East Tournament. St. John's won, Seton Hall lost. Syracuse announced the end of Jim Bayheim's long coaching career. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and
2: everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: We begin with politics this morning. President Biden unveils his budget proposal this afternoon, and already we're hearing it'll target new tax increases on billionaires. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he wants to see budgetary solutions. We can no longer ignore the major problem that we have the size of our debt. But what President Biden is suggesting might not be what McCarthy had in mind. White House sources tell Bloomberg News Biden's plan calls for a 25 percent minimum tax on billionaires, doubles the capital gains tax rate for investment from 20 percent to more than 39 percent, and it raises income taxes on corporations and wealthy Americans. The proposal has little chance of passing Congress, but it foreshadows Democrats' strategy ahead of debt ceiling negotiations. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg day
1: Break. Amy, thank you. While well, staying in Washington, now we have word overnight that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been hospitalized. We get the latest on this developing story with Bloomberg, Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Karen
2: and Nathan. Senator McConnell's spokesman says the Kentucky Republican tripped during a private dinner at a D.C. area hotel last night, but did not elaborate further on his condition. This isn't the first health scare for McConnell. The minority leader tripped outside his home in 2019, fracturing his shoulder. He also underwent triple bypass surgery. 20- 20 years ago. The 81-year-old served as majority leader under President Trump. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Steve, thanks. Now we turn to the latest on global geopolitical tensions. The U.S. says China will deepen its ties with Russia despite global pressure to the contrary. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the
3: story. The Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haynes, says despite the global backlash, China will maintain its diplomatic, defense, economic and technological cooperation with Russia.
1: The IC assesses that China's long-term economic growth will continue to decelerate because China's era of rapid catch-up growth is ending, and structural issues such as debt, demographics, inequality, over-reliance on investment, and suppressed consumption remain.
3: Haynes says the two feel they need each other. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Ed, thanks. Well, let's stick with China now and turn to the economy. Consumer and producer prices in China came in softer than expected for February. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong.
5: If you're worried that China's reopening would restoke inflation globally, think again. CPI rose just 1 percent, well below estimates. PPI came in at minus 1.4 percent, also a miss. Betty Wong, senior China economist at ANZ Bank. The pent-up demand during the Chinese new year might be fading quickly. Food costs fell after the holiday and crude oil declined. Now, Bloomberg Economics says these conditions will likely prevail for several months, but pressures will build in the second second half, with CPI approaching the government's 3% target. In Hong Kong,
2: Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Brian. Back here in the U.S., we may be closing in on a choice for the next vice chair of the Federal Reserve. Bloomberg News has learned Northwestern University professor Janice Eberly is the frontrunner. Eberly was chief economist at the Treasury Department under President Obama. She would succeed Lyle Brainerd, who is now President Biden's top economic aide.
1: Well, over in Europe this morning, Nathan, shares of Credit Suisse are down almost 5%. The Swiss lender is delaying its annual report. And we go live to Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London for the very latest. Ewan, good morning.
5: Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Credit Suisse was due to publish its annual report and conversation details this morning. But the bank says it received a late call from the SEC yesterday evening. The U.S. regulator had comments and questions about revisions Credit Suisse made to cash flow statements related to previous financial years. Years. The question mark over the accounts comes as the bank undergoes another complex restructuring. Management says a brief delay is prudent. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks,
2: Ewan. Let's stay with banks and turn our attention now to J.P. Morgan. The firm is suing former executive Jess Staley over his ties to disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. J.P. Morgan's demanding Staley return all his compensation over an eight-year period. That's more than $80 million. Just weeks ago, J.P. Morgan was defending Staley against accusations that he knew about Epstein's sex crimes. Staley has denied knowledge of Epstein's abuse.
1: While shares of Silvergate Capital are plunging this morning, Nathan, they're down more than 43% on news the firm plans to wind down operations. We get the latest live with Bloomberg's Dan Schwartzman. Dan, good morning.
2: Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Silvergate Capital is liquidating its crypto bank. Now, Silvergate was forced to sell off assets at a loss and close its payments network after a criminal investigation by the Justice Department into its dealings with Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX and Alameda Research. While no wrongdoing was found, Silvergate's crypto deposits fled, while crypto firms stopped accepting or initiating payments through Silvergate. The bank, though, says it will fully repay all deposits. Live in New York, Dan Schwartzman, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Dan. And BlackRock's turning greater attention to the rich, the world's largest asset managers starting two private equity firms in Europe, targeting wealthy individuals looking for alternative investments. While rich individuals in Europe allocate less than 2% of their portfolios to alternative assets, a BlackRock executive tells us that could rise to about 20% over time time. This is Bloomberg. 33 degrees in New York. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds today and a high near 50. We'll get down to until the low 30s again tonight under a partly cloudy sky. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning, Nathan. Jurors now deciding whether a fellow deserves the death penalty for a 2017 terror attack that killed eight people along a New York City bike path. In a note to the judge, jurors asked if they could discuss the Biden administration's moratorium on carrying out federal action executions. They also wanted to know if it was okay to discuss lethal injection as the method of death. In both cases, the judge said no and sent the jury back deliberating. There's some changes being made in Rochester after a deadly stampede last weekend at a rap concert. Two women were killed. Rochester Police Chief David Smith says he's revoked the license of the concert venue where the stampede occurred. This denial means that the Main Street Armory can no longer host any public entertainment pending a complete and thorough review of this matter. Chief Smith says a third woman was critically injured. Russia launched its first massive missile attack in almost a month early today against cities across Ukraine. At least five people were killed. They were also left without power. The five were killed in their homes near Lviv in western Ukraine as a Russian missile hit a residential area. Forecasters say another atmospheric river taking aim at northern and central California. It's also expected to arrive early this morning. This comes after massive snowstorms that left people in some mountain communities trapped in their homes without power for days. Madeira County Sheriff Tyson Pogue says areas under evacuation warnings because of flooding concerns.
2: This gives them plenty of notice for them to pack their um, pack their belongings, um, get their critical stuff together, any identification, medication, things that they have to have uh, for their own survival.
3: Sheriff Pogue says massive amounts of snow will melt all at the same time. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is due in Israel today for a meeting with the Israeli Defense Minister. It'll be a shortened visit because of massive protests across Israel over the government's plan to cut the power of the Supreme Court. The chief of the army also expressing alarm over a threat from military reservists to withhold service. Investors have even started to withdraw funds from Israel. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg Nathan.
2: Thank you, John. Time for our Bloomberg Sports Update now brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stash Hour. Good
4: morning, Nathan. It's March Madness NCAA Tournament it will be announced. The bracket announced Sunday right now, Championship Week with the Big East Tournament underway at the Garden with a win by St. John's 76-63 over Butler. Joel Soriano, 17 points, 10 rebounds. It'll be tougher for the Red Storm today against regular season Champ Marquette who's won 25 games. Seton Hall season its first with Shaheen Holloway as coach and getting upset by DePaul. 66-65. DePaul had only won three Big East games. Georgetown won only two. The Hoyas lost by 32 to Villanova. And what you have to think may well have been Patrick Ewing's last game as coach. They lost 50 games over the last two seasons. At the ACC tourney, Syracuse lost at the buzzer to wait for us. And not surprisingly, their 79-year-old coach Jim Boeheim was then asked if it was the end of his coaching career.
0: You're going to retire? This is up to the university. Y- you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're not. I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know,
5: okay? I said this is
4: up to the university.
0: And you're not sure whether you're. When will you, when will how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy.
4: And well, two hours later, the school announced Beheim was no longer the coach. No quotes from him. Rather odd way to end a 47-year run as Syracuse coach. He'll be replaced by his assistant Adrian Autry, who played for Talentine High School in the Bronx. All the New York local pro teams played tonight. Knicks start a four-game West Coast trip at Sacramento. They've won nine of the last ten. Nets are in Milwaukee. The Bucks have won 18 of the last 19. Rangers' first game since last Saturday is in Montreal. The Islanders visit Pittsburgh, and the Devils go to Washington. John at Network, Bloomberg Sports. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide
2: on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. President Biden is getting ready to kick off a months-long debate over spending and the debt in Washington, D.C. when he unveils his budget request for the next fiscal year later today. For more on what to expect, we are joined live this morning by Kevin Whitelaw, who led our congressional coverage for years at Bloomberg News. Kevin, it's great to speak with you again. Uh, We've gotten the sort of the uh, trickle of details about what the president's going to propose later today. Now the latest word is big tax hikes on billionaires and capital gains. What more are we hearing?
5: No, that's right. I, you know, the the plans that we're starting to hear involve a number of different plant uh, proposals that would that would be very targeted at the wealthiest Americans. So, a 25 percent minimum tax on billionaires, and also a plan to nearly double the capital gains tax rate um, to to 39.6 percent. So, you know, this comes on top of another um, thing that would have uh, targeted uh, income on those making more than four hundred thousand dollars, including passive income, uh, and and that would have. Been been used to, um, to to try to bolster the the Medicare program. I mean, remember the thing to keep in mind here is this is really a political statement more than it is an indication of what's actually going to come into place. This is the Democrats and Joe Biden saying, "This is what we would do. This is how we think the go- the, the country should be governed if we ran the entire um, uh, you know uh, you know legislature." And uh, which they don't. So with Republicans in control of Congress, this isn't going anywhere.
2: Although it is interesting to get this idea that President Biden is sort of sticking with the agenda that he had trouble passing when there was a Democratic majority just a year ago in Congress, Kevin.
5: Well, that's true. Although although they they never had a, a sort of filibuster-proof majority in 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 the Senate, and so you know there they were there was the Republicans always retain the ability to block um, the most ambitious pieces of legislation. But yeah, the dirty secret of even these budgets is that they tend to be. Um, you know, uh, a little too too uh, uh, well, liberal in this case, or if, the, if it was a Republican White House conservative, too liberal for it to actually be passed by the moderates in the party. But it does give you at least an indication of sort of where this is going. So it's going to give them something to run on, which is to say, look, we think we need to shore up the country's sort of uh, you know, fiscal status by 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 making sure that 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 the rich pay their fair share and that we bolster these safety net programs. It's also giving the Republicans something to say, hey, look. Democrats you are like Democrats are going to raise taxes obviously these are extremely targeted tax cuts they, they would affect a relatively small number of Americans uh, but uh, the, the some of the dollar figures involved are, are obviously substantial
2: yeah you, know, you can almost hear the Republican talking points coming out on the other side the idea of class warfare coming around uh, heading into a 2024 race I mean how does this position things not just for the debt fight that's to come over the next few months but for the political races that are coming next year?
5: Well you know the the Democrats are trying to draw a bright line and 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 you know they they want to portray the Republicans as as being ready to cut entitlement programs and 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 being unwilling to fund them and and that is has worked in many cases for democrats in 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 some of the areas where they're strong so they see that as a strength point going into the election. Um, obviously, uh, Republicans who are going to come at it from a, from a somewhat different perspective, they're a little divided in, in some ways because, um, you know, uh, former President Trump has talked about um, not wanting to cut entitlement programs, even as there have been some discussions among other Republicans about finding ways to try to put them on a more sustainable path, more on the side of, of, of trimming, trimming some benefits.
2: It's interesting as well, Kevin, isn't it, that the president is going to be unveiling this budget, not at the White House, which I think is pretty customary, but in Philadelphia today. It's almost like a campaign event.
5: Yes, well, you know, normally the White, you know, normally the 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 president would unveil at the White House and then quickly go on tour to battleground states. This time, he's just starting out in the battleground states, and obviously, Pennsylvania is one of one of the hardcore, um, uh, most important states for Democrats. Um, you know, as they as they look towards the next election, this again, it's a reminder of how political a document this is, um, as opposed to something that, that's that's going to, you know, sort of ever see its way into to legislation.
2: So in our last 30 seconds here, Kevin, are there any further details that you're looking for in this budget proposal, like how it's going to get to balance? I mean, there was some talk that he was going to try to cut $3 trillion from the deficit over a decade in this document.
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it'll be interesting to see if they come up with any actual substantial plans that, that get towards, towards that that don't involve just straight budget trickery, um, which, which obviously is um, something that we're always on, on the lookout for. I think the thing to look for is if there's one or two other little nuggets that get in terms of sort of, sort of more sort of social plans or the things they want to try to fund, those might be the kinds of things they want to try to run on and position themselves as they, as they, uh, as they head into the election.